I see the future of supply chain is an adaptive risk resilient supply chain that helps organizations become nimble and optimize operationally. What this means is it helps drive customer adoption as well as shareholder value. Welcome to the Future of Supply Chain podcast. My name is Richard Howells. I'm a Vice President for Thought Leadership for SAP's ERP Finance and Supply Chain Solutions. I'm joined today by my co-host, Nicole. Hi, everyone. I'm Nicole Smythe, and I'm a blogger, podcaster, and marketer in the supply chain space here at SAP. So today we're joined by our guest, Venkat Venkatraman, to discuss risk-resilient manufacturing and supply chains. So welcome, Venkat. Thank you so much for joining us today, and it's so great to have you on the series. If you could just take a moment to introduce yourself, give some insight into your past experiences and your role today. Yes, thanks, Nicole and Richard, for having me on this podcast today. I'm excited and honored to join this popular podcast. In terms of introduction, I lead the North American Center of Excellence for SAP's digital supply chain line of business. What that means is that I lead a team of supply chain and manufacturing professionals who have been practitioners in the past and who work with our customers, both our internal customers, our sales teams, and our customers out in the field that we position our solutions for. And the purpose of our team is to help our customers achieve their business outcomes in supply chain and manufacturing by leveraging technology that SAP brings to bear. I personally have been in the supply chain and manufacturing space for my entire career, spanning over 25 plus years, including stints at startups and other large organizations such as SAP, and all of them in customer-facing roles, helping customers basically leverage technology to drive their business objectives. And I couldn't think of a better person to have on the podcast, especially based on your current role in North America. So let's start with a broad question. I mean, today, I believe more than ever, companies are focused on standardizing and synchronizing their end-to-end supply chain processes. So what are some of the challenges that you're seeing them facing as they start this journey? Great question, Richard. While some of the inherent challenges have existed for quite some time now, the once-in-a-generation pandemic, coupled with other events over the last three to four years, has really exposed the fragility in supply chain and manufacturing and the exposure that that presents in terms of risk. Many of these challenges were a combination of lack of technology available at the time and also siloed organizational structures that led to disparate systems cobbled together to drive the end-to-end processes in supply chain and manufacturing. The challenge they now face as they embark on this journey to transform their supply chain and manufacturing operations is the ability to drive organizational change, the people aspect, procedural change, the processes aspect, and finally, last but not the least, adoption of new technologies into their existing system landscapes. It is certainly a challenge that most organizations do face, but one many forward-looking companies are willing to take on as they realize the value for their organizations. And certainly SAP with our 50 plus year expertise in this space as a partner can help them on this journey. That's great. And you you spoke about 
new technologies being implemented into existing systems. And I think a big topic, not only in supply chain, but across all industries and in our personal lives as well, is the use of artificial intelligence, machine learning, gen AI, and how that's really starting to be implemented into our everyday lives. So with that, how can companies really start to leverage these technologies to create that seamless digital thread across their ecosystems? Great question, Nicole, and very topical, isn't it? We keep hearing about artificial intelligence, machine learning, generative AI. It's now become almost a very conversational topic in you know, dinner rooms and family rooms, right? So what I'm seeing is the advancements in technology over just the last six months even with artificial intelligence and machine learning, take ChatGPT as an example, right? Are really starting to have our customers ask the question of themselves, how they can leverage these new technologies to optimize and transform their businesses. There are many use cases across the end-to-end processes we here at SAP describe as designed to operate in the realm of supply chain. And we have a library of use cases of our customers that we're constantly building upon both internally as well as with our ecosystem of partners that SAP works with. However, in my mind, it all starts with some basic foundational tenets, which is driven by having a platform-based approach, a platform-based approach that provides a single version of the truth, that enables connectivity across different elements that span those end-to-end processes, and that connectivity that drives visibility and, as a result, productivity. It also allows organizations to do a cause and effect. This platform-based approach provides the ability to do a cause and effect analysis as key elements change, given the dynamic nature of these processes as well as the market demands. And finally, most importantly, I believe, the ability to do all of this in an agile manner in near real time and not in a rear view mirror kind of an element. Because what really is important is for organizations to be able to adapt to the changing needs and the after the fact analysis is likely not sufficing these requirements. SAP's S4 platform has been recognized as the industry leading operational ERP for this reason, as it's not just a financial system of record, but also an operational system of choice for our customers that are embarking on these transformational needs. Let's talk a little bit about the concept of a platform, because I think many companies and systems are still limited by siloed approaches, and you used the word siloed a little earlier, of specific departmental boundaries. But the reality is business processes don't stay within those boundaries. They span across departments. They span across companies and across industries. So what are some of the ramifications of this siloed approach, which I think results in a broken ecosystem? Great question, Richard, and you're absolutely right. Organizations have in the past made decisions to eschew a platform approach with more of what I call a best-of-breed approach, which requires them to cobble together disparate systems to make them all work together seamlessly and in a synchronized manner. And you're right. I mean, many organizations, many of our customers are going through mergers and acquisitions where there may be separate systems, different systems. And so the problem with this approach of cobbling together all these systems is that you're right, it creates silos across the end-to-end processes, across the departments 
that are responsible for driving organizational adoption of these technologies. Siloed applications lead to process breakdowns. And when the processes are not synchronized and process breakdowns occur, that leads to value erosion, which leads to exposure to business risk, which is what most organizations who have now seen the risk with such an approach, especially in the last two to three years, where supply chain issues were all over the headlines, is a lesson that many of our customers and organizations are looking to learn from. An example of such a siloed approach and the ramifications of that is when a planned order from a business ERP system is sent to manufacturing. Assumptions are typically made at the ERP level around availability of resources in manufacturing to execute those orders. We all know that conditions and situations in manufacturing can be very dynamic, wherein there may be material or labor shortages to execute the order, or in some cases, even equipment unscheduled downtime that prevents the order from being able to be executed. Operational personnel typically then have to make decisions around rejigging those orders based on resource constraints and what I call tribal knowledge. And when they have disparate systems, they have to make changes to one system, but those changes are not cascaded down or all the way back up to the business systems where the orders originated in the first place, which means the systems are now out of whack or not synchronized, leading to the inability to adhere to customer timelines from a delivery standpoint or require changes on the fly, or as I mentioned, leveraging tribal knowledge that do not take into consideration some of the key business, key performance indicators associated with the concept of a perfect order or a perfect order execution. And so that really is some of the key ramifications of having a siloed approach, both from a technology stack perspective, as well as from a business process or departmental silo ramification standpoint. And the fact that a platform, a singular platform that provides the ability to have the single version of the truth, provides that visibility and actionability in near real time, I believe is a key deliverable of an operational ERP that SAP brings to the table to break down these silos and help drive a perfect order and help drive customer you know, loyalty, customer centricity as well. And another thing I see, and I'd be interested in your thoughts on this with best of breed or niche systems, is that through no fault of their own, you then tend to optimize a specific department. But certain decisions made in optimizing one department could be at the detriment to another department. I might say from a logistics standpoint, I want to carry less inventory, but then the sales department get affected by the fact that they're out of stock when they purchase or when a purchase comes through. So I'm just curious if you've got any thoughts on that around optimizing the end-to-end process versus optimizing the silos. Great question, Richard. I mean, you know, I have sat in many, many meetings with different departmental stakeholders across the supply chain end-to-end processes where these kinds of questions do come up quite, quite often. You know, in the past, there used to be a concept of just-in-time, which was optimizing supply chain processes, right? I think what happened over the last two to three years with the pandemic, material shortages, the war in Ukraine and others, there's been somewhat a shift around from just in time to just in case. When you talk about just in case, it could mean that you have more inventory safety 
carrying stock or safety stock from an inventory standpoint because you want to be able to make sure that you can fulfill customer orders. When you look at this from a supply chain planner standpoint, whose metrics may be tied to lower in-stock inventory carrying costs, that drives a little bit of conflict because now the KPIs are a little bit different between those two organizations. I think a platform-based approach that I discussed in the past, the operational ERP concept, and the visibility that this platform approach brings to the table actually enables the different stakeholders across those departmental silos to have a singular view around the basic KPIs of an organization, key yep. performance indicators. It's not always inventory. It could be around customer loyalty or priority orders. It could be around you know, ESG, environmental, social, and governance criteria in some cases that some departments may not be aware of. So when we take that platform approach and provide the visibility across all of the different stakeholders, I believe there's more of an impetus for these organizational leaders to consider those impact of their decisions and how that can help their organization drive shareholder value and the organizational change needed for an optimized supply chain. You hit a very important point there, and it was around visibility, because if you say, for example, oh, we've made a decision, we need to carry more inventory to keep our customer service level high. If you have the right visibility, you don't need to keep more inventory of all of your materials or all of your finished products. You can have inventory optimization strategies so that you make the decision to carry more of certain inventory of certain products at certain locations, but you may make this decision to carry less of others because the demand isn't there. So I think having that visibility and then having the tools that can look across the end-to-end process and drive things like inventory optimization strategies is another key requirement when we're talking about a platform approach. Yeah, and Richard, you're absolutely right, but visibility in of itself, as I mentioned before, and as you're aware, will not help address those requirements, right? The ability to be able to take the visibility and demand signal changes or any other issues that you would encounter in day-to-day operations in near real time. The ability to look at those changes in near real time and be able to do cause and effect in near real time. What are the impacts around inventory issues or unscheduled downtime? Can an organization pivot in real time? to be able to take care of those challenges is really critical. So you're absolutely right, visibility, but visibility coupled with real-time actionability that an operational ERP platform brings to the table. Yeah, there's nothing worse than seeing you've got a problem but not being able to do anything about it. Absolutely. That's actually a perfect lead into my next question because we talk about risk, we talk about the supply chain issues that were hitting the headlines, which I still to this day find not funny, but people finally knew what I did for work because it was all over the news. So no one knew what supply chain was before, but now they finally knew what I went to school for. So that was one nice aspect of it that I didn't have to keep explaining. But as I said, the next lead in, what are some of the ways that companies can negate that risk so that they really don't run into those issues? Great question, Nicole. And you're absolutely right. Up until the pandemic, when people realized that there was an issue around, you know, tissue paper or toilet paper shortages, I don't think people actually realized what supply chain and supply chain planning and execution really meant. It really hit everybody's living rooms and now everybody knows what supply chains and supply chain risks is all about. 
it's actually also mm -hmm. been a topic of discussion across multiple countries at a global scale. So, you know, when we talked about visibility and actionability, right, you really need to have a business system for organizations to be able to leverage and that business system that ties into the operational systems that are used to drive supply chain and manufacturing processes, they need to be synchronized. In order for these two systems, both the business, which is more than just financial record keeping, but the ability to take customer orders, execute on those customer orders, and execute on those orders optimally in a financially profitable manner and in a responsible manner, sustainable manner, requires a platform that provides all of those capabilities around visibility, real-time actionability, and the ability to basically drive key performance indicators for organizations. That's why when we look at SAP's S4 ERP system or platform, which has been recognized as the operational ERP of choice, it leverages an in-memory database that allows you know, what used to be in the past, mostly batch transactions after a period of time to be now done in near real time. And this has completely transformed the way companies can now adopt a business outcomes driven near operational ERP to drive resiliency in their end-to-end -end supply chain and manufacturing processes that enables them to mitigate risks around capabilities that may have been something that they were not privy to in the past because of the batch nature of ERP systems. These capabilities across all of these processes that are tied together in a platform that provide a single version of the truth, visibility that's actionable, and positively impact KPIs are some of the ways that companies can really negate that risk. This platform approach provides the ability for organizations to take a Lego block or a composable approach to build out capabilities that have the most impact and the most return on investment in terms of their supply chain and manufacturing transformation journeys. I think the cloud has helped there as well of being able to drive different business processes in real time, not having to build everything that you need as you implement the system, but evolve as your business changes. Great point, Richard, because I think what has happened with the adoption of crowd technologies over the last few years is the ability for organizations to be nimble. The ability for even small organizations to aspire to be like Mike. In the past, the investment in these technologies required a large revenue outlay in on-premise solutions, the requirement for IT personnel to maintain those solutions and to deploy those solutions. With the cloud approach now, most organizations, small, large, or even medium-sized, are now able to consume technology advancements quickly in a more agile fashion and in a more cost-effective way without having to depend on large outlays of revenue for their infrastructure or personnel to maintain these systems that they had to do in the past. What it also means is the adoption of newer capabilities that like AI and ML that companies like SAP are embedding in our systems on an ongoing basis. It is not a once in two year roadmap. It is almost a 
monthly, if not quarterly update of capabilities in our platform that allows organizations to consume those new changes rapidly and use those technology changes in the cloud to be able to drive those transformations as needed for their businesses, you know, as quickly as possible. So absolutely, cloud and cloud technologies have really morphed or really enabled organizations to adopt these capabilities and these newer technologies really, really quickly. I'll give you a quick example. You know, when we think about manufacturing, you know, robotics used to be considered leading edge. I have in the last year and a half visited many customers where we see drones in their warehouses. It's almost a Jetsons kind of a situation, right? Imagine having a drone in a warehouse buzzing around, automated, actually taking scans of pallets and stuff like that. Well, guess what? It's happening. And I believe cloud and cloud technologies are allowing our customers to quickly adopt these technologies in a rapid fashion. Great point. Venkat, it's safe to say that you and I have both been around the block a little bit as we've both been in the industry for over 25 years. We've seen technology changes you've just been talking about. The good news is that we're always learning new things because there's always a new technology. There's always a new approach. Gen AI, we wouldn't have heard about a year ago. Now it's in the news every day, for example. But also, as a result, you must have met hundreds of companies over this time. So can you provide some examples of how manufacturers can ensure a smooth transition from traditional methods to this seamless process across the end-to-end operations? Great question again there, Richard. And one of the greatest joys I have in my role is the ability to go meet with our customers, to understand their business challenges, and to figure out how technology that SAP and our partners bring to bear can help drive organizational change for them. We have countless business transformation stories with our customers and how they have realized value from our platform and our platform-based approach. Specifically, I'll give you some great customer examples without mentioning customer names, obviously. A large consumer packaged goods company that has embarked on this journey with us to build up what they call a touchless supply chain or a supply chain managed by exception. They gave us a great example. They said that they have an army of planners, an army of supply chain professionals that are constantly looking at what's going on in their supply chains to be able to pivot and make changes and to basically optimize their supply chain. With the platform-based approach, with the newer technologies that we're bringing to the table, this company is now able to leverage those resources not to do firefighting, but to actually use the system's signals on an exception basis to basically optimize their processes, which means that they're reducing the amount of tribal knowledge for these planners to be constantly looking at systems, but now the platform gives them signals when there's an exception so that they can take action. Their eventual goal is to run to a Tesla supply chain system, which is utopia, Maybe it's going to take them some time to get there, but they will certainly still need the resources to help manage that supply chain from a touchless supply chain standpoint. We also have a large industrial machinery and components manufacturer that has seen 4 to 12% lower days in inventory, which is a big, big improvement in what they needed from their past systems by leveraging our platform-based approach. We also have a tier two automotive supplier 
who's basically had a 40% increase in operational efficiency and a whopping 160% improvement in throughput. Let that number just sink in, 160% improvement in throughput, right? And we also have a large specialty chemicals manufacturer with 40 to 60% lower reduced freight costs. And then if you think about the freight costs and the associated environmental impact to be able to optimize their transportation costs and you know address their ESG metrics, as well as the cost of goods sold, it's been a real, real transformation for them. I can go on and on and on, probably not enough time in this podcast, too many to mention here. Perhaps a separate podcast is warranted just for that, Richard and Nicole. I'm just imagining doing the math of just lowering your days in inventory by 4 to 12% and the carrying cost that you're reducing as a result of that is unimaginable. Absolutely. Well, count us in for that separate podcast because I could hear about these customer examples all day as well. And it's just incredible. But another interesting point that you talked about is, of course, the different aspects or the different resources that companies can utilize. But if you have them siloed, they're not as efficient as they could be. Having them together in that full end-to-end process is so critical and key. And I think another important aspect or topic within manufacturing operations is, of course, the utilization of real-time data. You can have that data, but if there's no way of actually leveraging it, then it kind of just sits there. So in some of the examples that you've seen, what are some ways companies can leverage data mining to provide those actionable insights? Great question, Nicole. I mean, there's a cliched statement out there that's relatively new that says data is the new oil, right? Which is true. Very true. (laughs) Which is true in many realms but more so in the context of this discussion in supply chain and manufacturing. With the advancements in technology, the ability to store, manage, and mine data, to look for nuggets or for trends, and to leverage Mm -hmm. that data to make informed decisions in near real time is an absolute game changer. With changing Mm -hmm. customer buying behaviors and what I call the Amazon Prime effect, I have two daughters and I can tell you the Amazon Prime effect in our household is significant, right? But, you know, you think about the Amazon Prime effect, organizations need to be agile. They need to be looking at, you know, demand signals. They need to be resilient. They need to be adaptable and they need to have the ability to take action on the data. The data insights that we can provide coupled with a real-time business system enabled by SAP's S4 operational ERP platform allows companies to pivot in real-time, to leverage the data, to mine the data, and to basically drive optimization in their supply chains. Examples around this that are there, they're not limited, but I'll point to a few of them. Adapting to dynamic demand signals that will necessitate replanning. We were talking to a large consumer goods company that basically is making smart coffee machines. And those coffee machines essentially read barcodes on the pods. And these coffee machines with Wi-Fi connectivity can actually provide information back to the mothership around which kind of coffee pods are being used in which geographical locations. You know, somebody in the Midwest, they may see that there's more of a, you know, French vanilla usage of their pods, whereas in the West, it may be a little bit more of the deep roast. 
those kinds mm -hmm. of signals in near real time has allowed this customer to be basically able to look at where they can deploy their inventory strategies based on those demand signals. That's a great example. Mm -hmm. It hits home because we have one of those coffee pods at home, right? <laughs> and one this morning. Yeah, absolutely, right? <laughs> As a result of those dynamic demand signals, there's also a need to address routing, both in terms of transportation as well as you know manufacturing, right? When you have those demand signal changes, can you actually pivot to figure out how to drive more of the raw material ingredients needed to a specific geography where the carrying costs and the lowered cost of goods sold could be impacted if you have warehouses with French roast most on the East Coast versus deep roast on the West Coast as an example, right? So those are a couple mm -hmm. of examples. Another one that I see quite often in manufacturing, especially in industrial machinery and in automotive, as well as in you know some process industries, is this concept of predictive quality or the ability to look for non-conformance management, leveraging capabilities like vision systems. So can I actually look at a camera-based vision system to look for defects as a particular assembly is going through a high-speed line? And can I use those images to look for quality defects, take those images, take all of the data that's coming from those images in real time, which could be mega petabytes of data, and have AI ML type algorithms look for non-conformance and alert the operational folks before they have a large quality incident once the product has been shipped. That's another great example. Predictive asset management and reliability strategies. We've seen in certain heavy asset industries where, you know, in the past it used to be sweat an asset to its the end of its lifetime. What that meant was when you started to do that, there's degradation in the performance of the asset that could lead to quality issues. With the ability to now mine signals coming off of the data, think industrial uh, IoT kind of technology capabilities, you now have the ability to look for trends around degradation of the asset's performance and the ability to be able to do predictive, preventative maintenance strategies. There are many, many more, but all of these point to the ability to actually mine data in near real time, by the way, as we discussed in the past, and the ability to be able to take action in near real time, to be able to stave off some of these issues that could arise, and the ability to be financially more optimized to be able to drive operational efficiencies, like we just mentioned around, you know, transportation or drive based off of demand signals for coffee, as an example, right? Thank you. We're about 31 minutes into the podcast, so we have to wrap it up, I'm afraid, because this has absolutely flown by, and I know we could keep talking for another 31 minutes or more. But there's one question that we ask every guest of the podcast, and I think you're going to have a great answer for this one with all of your different experiences. But in a sentence or two, what do you see as the future of supply chain? Great question, Richard. I see the future of supply chain is an adaptive, risk-resilient supply chain that helps organizations become nimble and optimized operationally. What this means is it helps drive customer adoption as well as shareholder value. That's a great response. Thanks very much. So Venkat, you didn't disappoint. Thanks for a great conversation. Thank you, Nicole and Richard. And I'd like to thank everyone for listening. Please mark us as a favorite, and you can get regular updates and information about future episodes. But until next time, 
from Venkat, Nicole and I. Thanks for discussing the future of supply chain.